Hello and welcome to Your Way, the podcast that will help you figure out who you are, what you want, and how to do life, business, relationships, all of it on your terms. If you are fed up of following somebody else's rule book and are ready to throw it out and write your own, keep listening. This is the space to help you really figure out how you want to do this crazy thing called life your way. Join me as I explore these fascinating topics through a variety of guest interviews and solo episodes. It's time to do life on your terms. Buckle up and get ready. Hello and welcome to the Your Way podcast. So we have a first for the Your Way podcast this week and it is our first guest interview. So whilst there were some guest interviews on the old podcast, this is our first and I am delighted to welcome Mary Wall to the show today. Hello Mary. Hello Louise. I'm delighted to be your first um, podcast guest on this one. I had no idea. Yeah, honour. I am truly honoured. <laughs> um, and so the title of the podcast today is Avoiding a Holiday Hangover. Um, and I really wanted to have Mary on. So I have known Mary for about a year, I think, about a year. Um, and I love watching the work that she does. And I've loved watching the evolution of her less wine more you um offerings and I just think this time of year is such a there's so much pressure to drink and there's so many opportunities to get absolutely shit-faced you can swear by the way and (laughs) and then feel absolutely rotten the next day right now what this isn't is Everybody should be sober. No one should drink alcohol, blah, 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 blah. Like this is the Your Way podcast. It's about each individual doing it their way. But I really wanted to have you on so that those people who are out there thinking about maybe it maybe it would be nice to have a Christmas where I didn't have a hangover the whole time. Yeah. And start to think about how they could go about that. And also anyone you know wanting to dig in a little bit to think about why am I getting shit faced so often and what's going on there for me so yay there is so much in there um first thing and I'll come back to this I got kicked out of the brownies that's for another story the also when I was in the brownies in Ireland was be prepared that's the number one thing I can say for the coming weeks is just know where you're going and also, like, think about where you're going. You don't have to go to every single event. There's so many things going on. You don't have to go to all of them, and you don't have to drink at all of them. I had a conversation with a client the other day, and she was just saying, I said, what's happening at the weekend? She said, oh, well, going out Friday, there's going to be drinks. I'm going out Saturday, there's going to be drinks. I'm going out Sunday, there's going to be drinks. And I just said to her, why? She's like, well, because there always is. I'm going to such and such a place, and we always get chip face there. And I'm going to my sister's and we always get really drunk there. And I'm going out for lunch with those people at their house and we always get really drunk there. Do you want to get really drunk? She's like, no. (laughs) You don't have to drink all the drink. 
And especially because it's, you know, lots of the, the events we're going to at this time of year might be, you know, work parties or parties at people's houses, where it's sort of essentially, you know, funny is free drink. Mm-hmm. People think, oh, it's free or I'm being offered a drink or I'm going to somebody's house and I should accept a drink because they might think I'm a bit weird if I'm not drinking. And I don't want to be, you know, Debbie Downer if in, in a smaller setting around a dinner table. I don't want to be the one you know, putting their hands over the wine glass and saying, oh, no, not me, I've gone teetotal now, I don't drink, aren't I marvellous kind of vibe? <laughs> Which is, you know, if you want to go down that road, that's fine, but you might not, you know, have any friends left at the end of the holidays. And so, yeah, it's just being aware of, being conscious of what events you want to go to and whether or not you want to drink at them. And, you know, and if you are going to drink, why are you drinking? Are you drinking because everybody else is drinking and you're going to feel like you're not going to fit in? Are you drinking because, say, it's your partner's works do and you don't really like any of the people he works with or they work with? And you're thinking, oh, my God, the only way I can get through this dreary event talking to Bob from accounts is if I literally drink my weight in wine. And then think, do you have to go? So it's just really, you know, event. Take, I would say take it event by event, get your calendar out, look at everything that's coming up. First of all, see which of them you, you want to go to, which of them you don't want to go to, and then decide if you're going to drink, how much you're going to drink, and get really clear on the, the you know, why you're even drinking at them in the first place. And you said then about, so so I don't drink, and we'll talk about this in a minute, and I don't never drink, I, I rarely drink, right? And so I will be, because I've been invited already and I've said yes, going to several Christmas drink events. Now, the people that know me generally know what to expect, but for people that maybe aren't quite as obviously a non-drinker as I am, you know, like people will just generally know. Um, and you talked then about, you know, I could feel a little bit awkward at the dinner table to be that person that puts the hand over the glass and is like, oh, no, 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 no. But what would you suggest for someone? So say someone, they do want to be sociable, they do want to get involved, but they don't necessarily want to drink, or they might want to go and have a drink, but then after yep. that, they want something that isn't alcoholic. What would you suggest as, like... As I would a- say, I mean, if you don't want to have that sort of kind of beam of attention, everyone turning around going, so when did you stop drinking mm. kind of thing, you don't have to make a big deal of it. If you're going out to a restaurant or a party or an event... You can just find out in advance. You can look at their drinks menu online and see what they have. And you can actually practice. I know this might sound a bit bonkers, but you can practice asking for a, you know, say a seed lip and tonic, which is a kind of a non-alcoholic spirit or a different type of drink. Rather so that when the, you know, when the server comes around to the table and they say, what are you having? And you're not you're like, going, oh, my God. Uh, and you ask for your normal glass of what have you, because that's what yeah. everybody else is having. You don't want to feel weird about it. And if you just fluently just ask for whatever it is you want, people won't notice. Yeah, that may, maybe one person, maybe you've got that one friend who's like watching you like a hawk and monitoring every mm-hmm. drop or every morsel that goes in your mouth. But that's rare. So just you know, be sort of, if you're relaxed with it, other people will be relaxed with it. You know, if you are at that dinner table situation and somebody, you know, let them pour the wine. You don't have to drink it. Mm, yeah. You know, I've known plenty of people that have sat at my dinner tables but back in the days when I could be bothered to have dinner parties. <laughs> and, you know, I, I would notice it because I was drinking a lot. I would kind of notice it. Oh, she hasn't touched her wine all evening. Mm. They would just be sipping their water. But you, there are lots of ways that you can can get around it. And also, you know, and if you really feel like, awkward about it, there's all, you know, 
there's no harm in saying that, you know, you might want to get up early the next morning. You might be driving. You might even be on antibiotics. There could be many, many reasons yeah. that aren't like, well, I am holier than thou. My body is now a temple mm-hmm. and I will allow no poison past my lips, which is a, you know, a surefire conversation killer, yeah. an atmosphere killer at any party. Be, and, and just be a normal self. So show that you, you can have fun. Yeah, and one of the things that I realised recently, so we went out for a fancy dinner with two other couples and we sort of were, you know, like, let's let us take you into this area for a drink before you go for dinner. Now, one of the ladies was driving. I don't really drink and their menu had so many alcohol-free options. So I had a glass of alcohol-free Prosecco. She had an alcohol-free gin and tonic. I mean, it's still about the same price, which makes yeah, it is. It is. It is. It is. It is. Yeah, there's, there's, no, there's, there's no money saving in the actual alcohol-free drink. But I just did something very funny today on Radio Four. The wine o'clock shopping, the online shopping that happens after you've had a few drinks. So the money-saving right. element comes in later, but it doesn't necessarily come in at the time mm. of buying the alcohol-free yeah. drinks. Yeah. But, but but then that was great because I had the glass and it was lovely and I got to enjoy the experience. Yes. And then I did have a little bit of actual wine with dinner, but just enough. And going back to what you said about um, being that kind of sanctimonious, oh, I don't drink. I would just like to out myself on this podcast. I would say that there are two reasons why I stopped drinking. So I stopped drinking when I was about 20. And I can think of one occasion since then that I've been drunk. And otherwise, it's like, you know, I'm having a glass of Prosecco at Christmas or I'm at a wedding and I'm having a drink. But but mostly I don't. And it's not necessarily because I became holier than now, blah, 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 blah. Number one, massive control freak. Do not like to feel out of control. Do not like the feeling of being out of control when I've had a drink. Also don't like the hangover feeling the next day. And then the second thing as well was, Again, around the same age that I stopped drinking, I lost a lot of weight very intentionally and then was quite restrictive with what I ate. And if I drank, my willpower to not eat properly reduced. Absolutely. And I would eat, right? So I'm not here like, oh, and now my body is a temple. Now my reasons for not drinking now are different, but it's just there's been a period of time, which is like close to 20 years now, of not drinking. So I don't miss it. It's just not a part of my life. Um, But I think that's very, very interesting. So for me, I think without those two things, I probably would have been a very heavy drinker because I would have drank as a way to cover up how I felt. Yeah. Now, I chose my particular poisons were food or no food, exercise, and overworking, mostly. But I do think it's an interesting thing to look at in terms of, well, why do we drink? Or for me, why don't I drink? But why do people drink in the first place? Because a lot of the time, it isn't actually anything to do with the alcohol. I don't know. And it, and it isn't. I mean, and if, you know, if, if anyone was, was feeling curious about this, I would, I would suggest getting a glass of your, your favourite tipple, sitting in the most boring room in your house without a phone, without a book, without an animal, without any distraction, and just sit there and drink that drink. 
Mm. And notice the sensations, notice how it feels in your body, notice if you feel kind of, you know, are you feeling that buzz that everyone talks about? Or are you actually feeling a bit sort of sleepy? Are you feeling up? Are you feeling down? It's very, it's a very interesting experiment. So I'm not going to spoil it for anyone if they want to try it at home and then you know, kind of comment on the on the podcast. That would be um, interesting to hear. But yeah, it is. It's it's not the alcohol. It's the it's you know for most of the women I coach, it's an eject button. Mm. It's they've had it's everything that's gone on all day. The stresses of the day, that the stresses that are not dealt with, things that are bottled up. And they just come and it becomes a habit. It's just, you know, a simple habit in a way. It's five o'clock, it's six o'clock, of hands up on autopilot at the fridge door, at the corkscrew, pouring the wine. And before we know it, it's in our mouth. And very little thought has gone into it because it's become as automated as brushing your teeth. Just because it's a habit that's been practiced so many times, it's become a sort of second nature. And the body kind of thinks, or the brain, you know, <laughs> I've got Tina Triceratops here. Hello, Dina. <laughs> the kind of, you know, the, the lower brain, if you want to, you know, call it that, thinks that alcohol is just the solution. And it's just been trained um, to think that. So it's like a well-worn path of the normal pathway. Anytime you feel stressed, anytime you feel anxious, anytime you feel tired or overwhelmed or sad or any kind of emotion that that's generally on the, the negative-ish end, it kind of goes, I know, have a drink, drink will fix it. And it becomes the sort of solution. So I kind of talk about like alcohol being the solution more than the problem, because your brain thinks that alcohol is the solution. So it's continuously going to offer you, have a drink, oh, go on, you know, one won't hurt, all that sort of chatter that's going on. Um, lost my train of thought there for a second. No, that's perfect. And then, and 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 so then, so if alcohol is the solution, not the problem, yeah. What is not that we are a problem to be fixed, yeah. But what is the solution that sits separately to alcohol? Would you say? I think the solution is looking at what is, you know, triggering people to drink. What is? I mean, alcohol creates it in in the, the way it works in the brain, the body. It creates its own desire for itself, right. Um, so, but to have, to have that first drink, it's just, you know, looking at, you know, why am I drinking? What's going on? If you can just take that pause at sort of one o'clock when you'd normally be going to pour whatever it is you're going to pour. A lot of the women I work, you know, work with are drinking. They're not just drinking out socially. They're just habitually having those few glasses of wine every single night of the week. Um, you know, what am I feeling? What am I thinking? And, and lots of women, they're not used to thinking of, you know, about things like that. What do I actually need right now? What's missing from my life? What can I give myself in my life? And when we start looking at those things and addressing those things, and lots of in lots of cases, they're, you know, they've got themselves bottom of the pile. They're running ragged, they're running businesses, they've got, you know, important jobs, they've got kids, they've just got so much going on. And they're just not looking care taking care of themselves at all because everybody else's needs are coming first. So that wine is like, this is for me. This is my time. I, I speak to women. I've got a friend and she says, no, I'm not ready to give up. She said, my wine is all I've got. Mm. And I think for lots of women, they feel that's all they have is that, you know, that wine o'clock. So it's addressing, you know, what else is happening in their lives so that they don't feel that need then, you know, that that is their out, that that is their escape, that they, you know, they have a life they don't need to escape from. They have, you know, they're able to manage their stress so that, you know, 
a bottle of wine isn't the only way that they get to do it because in actual fact the drinking then creates more stress because if they're not sleeping well and they're waking up in the morning anxious and then they're worried about the drinking they're thinking oh god am I drinking a bit too much I you know, it's getting a bit out of hand and then that creates more stress that's adding on to all the other stress for the next day <laughs> so yeah. then five o'clock comes around again and it's a vicious circle so it's addressing all the stresses and and the faulty thinking you know the the limiting kind of thoughts and beliefs around alcohol I mean you 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 had your confession I'll give you mine I used to believe up until I mean embarrassingly recently in within the past couple of years that people who didn't drink were boring and weird frankly they were kind of a bit odd I remember being at a kind of a fancy um house country house party thing with um friends of my husband's family a couple of years back and there was this couple and they you know not only were they vegan but they didn't drink <laughs> this incredibly um successful couple with this very well-known brand business and, um, yeah we just kind of thought and they're very nice but it's almost like what is wrong with them they're not drinking they, they must be kind of boring or they must be and that was all because I had all these beliefs that you know people who didn't drink were boring and dull and that is what, you know, a lot of my clients, especially coming up to this time of year, they're like, how can I go out? How can I do Christmas? How can I go to parties and not drink that much? Because people who don't drink are boring. And that's sort of been imprinted on them from, from childhood, from the media, from just everything that they've grown up seeing around them. So we have to we have to dig that one out and kind of you know root it out and, <laughs> and pick it apart. Massively. And I think the, the thing as well is, and, and you can say whether or not this resonates for your experience, Mary, but, but most people are in some kind of denial, right? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, nothing's wrong with me. I'm drinking because this is normal. What yeah. are these weird people doing? Yeah. Not drinking. Rather than like, oh, there's probably more more than, than I would, would want to do here. And maybe it's something to look at. So well, I want to just pick up on something that you said a minute ago. So you were talking about all of the the kind of the experiences that people have, and and you pose some really lovely questions about what do I need, how am I fe- feeling, what am I thinking, and whilst those are without doubt the key questions that people would benefit from from asking themselves in your experience because I know what the answer is in my experience in your experience how likely is it or how accessible is it for people who aren't used to doing that to just do it on their own oh yeah it, it, it's very difficult to do on your own because most people will just look at me like and I'm sure when I first started doing this work and heard about it I was just like I don't know I don't know what I'm feeling I don't know what I'm thinking I just want a drink yeah, and, and I wonder if, and again, because I don't tend to work in the drinking sphere, but I'm just curious about whether you've heard it in this context. So a lot of the people that I will speak to will know they've got the, the they know they've got stuff to look at, right? And their deep fear is, but if I look at this stuff, if I take mm-hmm. the lid off this box yeah. Yeah. and look at what's inside, I think I'm going to unravel and I don't know if I can put myself back together again. Yeah. Like, I think that feeling my feelings could be the great undoing of me, right? And they will then adapt because of the stuff in the box. 
which might be drinking or drugs or shopping yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or whatever. So in your in your experience, what are the barriers that people perceive that they have? I think they perceive that, you know, they're scared, you know, there's nothing, they stop drinking, you know, what's there? Mm, yeah. Are they going to have any friends? Are they going to have any social life? Are they going to even know who they are anymore? Mm-hmm. Um, is their relationship going to change? You know, with their partner, if they have a partner that drinks? Yeah, there, there can be a lot there that they're kind of scared to get into. Their you know, family dynamics going to change. If they're from a family of big drinkers, how are their family going? Are they going to be, you know, sort of cast out of the, the, the clan, as it were? Um, there's a lot of fear that keeps women drinking. And it's, yeah, there's there's a lot. There's, you know, they know that I speak to so many women that they know they want to stop. They desperately want to stop. They know it's doing them no good. But yet there's that fear still holding back of, you know, my relationship, you know, my husband. I mean, I'll give an example. When my husband, I, that was actually something that stopped me a lot for a long time. Was that, you know, when Nick and I were, you know, first together, we were together a long time before we had kids. Um, we lived in the States, we'd go out, we'd sit at bars, we'd drink, we'd go out every night to bars and restaurants, kind of eating, drinking, that was just our thing. We were sort of bon viveurs, as it were, <laughs> good food and good wine, and and that was just what we did. And then I think that translated, you know, to sitting at home in the kitchen mm. once we, we were at home with kids, and that was the connection. And I kind of felt, oh, God, this is our, really our main connection. We don't go out very much. We live in a rural area. And if I stop drinking, that's going to be kind of, we're going to, you know, that might make things kind of weird. Um, and it did stop me, that thought, for a long time. But I decided, you know, I'd had enough. And then amazingly, he stopped within a couple of months of me not drinking. So now we're kind of like connecting over going, oh, my God, how would this be amazing how great we feel, you know, not drinking kind of thing. And can you believe how bad we used to feel? And oh, my God, what must we have been like kind of, you know, conversations. So yeah. we're sort of we're bonding more over not drinking or in his case, drinking a lot less when he goes out with his friends. He's just been away on holiday yeah. and with some of his friends on a sports holiday. And he had a few beers then. But at home, he's not drinking. And um, yeah, it, it, it's brought us the, the not drinking has actually brought us closer. Whereas my fear was the not drinking would kind of make us even further apart. And but yeah, I, I understand that there are, you know, there are fears. There are definite real fears that people have that, that make them not even want to go there. Yeah, and I love what you just shared there about you and your husband, because you're right, sometimes the opposite of our fears happen. And also, by the way, sometimes our fears happen. Like there are going to be times where someone is going to think something of you yeah. or say yeah. something about you not doing it. And then again, part of this work is, well, how do, for your clients, how do they become the person that can be firm in who they are? Yeah against that thing because you said one of the big deep questions that sits underneath it is who am I without this and I said yes yeah. I reckon the question really is who am I <laughs> yeah who am I who, who am I especially you know if someone's been you know drinking like I had for like 30 years you've been drinking you've had maybe had some kids or have been very you know involved in a very big corporate career perhaps where you have this sense of yourself as this, you know, the, the drinker, the partier, the, you know, I kind of came of age really, you know, in my early 20s and the 90s when you know, it was all about the ladettes and mm-hmm. drinking men under the table. And that was kind of a sign of our, like, our metal. I could drink any man under the table and dance on it at the same time kind of thing. Yeah. And, it, and I'm the, the party girl, the, the lively one, or the, the one that can always be relied on, you know, someone phoned up on Tuesday night and said, oh, do you want to come out for a drink? Um 
and thinking, who who are you without that? What you know, what's there? And I think you know, some women they're very scared that they don't know what's there. They don't know if anything's there, and it's yeah. it's yeah, yeah. So we, we, we go very gently hand in hand to those places. Yeah. yeah. And you know what, Mary? I think if we're honest, if everyone's honest, I don't mean me and you. Yeah. We're all, <laughs> all the collective. The people, if the collective people are all honest, whatever the flavour of symptom masking we have gone for, that question sits there. Yeah. Who am I? What am I here for? What's my purpose? What's the point? All those big existential questions. And we do the stuff to mask or hide it. And then for some people, it's like, no, actually, I want to know myself. Yeah. I want to know who I am. And that is why I love that your strap line right now is less wine, more you. Yeah. Because, yes, you help people to less wine. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. I do. <laughs> but can you talk a little bit more about where the more you comes in the more you comes in i mean obviously you know women come to me with, with in all different stages of drinking and it, it is gray area drinking that i deal with it is not you know a serious alcohol use disorder you know people that have physical withdrawal it is women that are social drinkers women that are having you know a few drinks every night but they're you know they're functioning they're going to work they have careers relationships etc yeah and the less wine i mean for some of them you know, they have already stopped drinking. I have clients that come to me, they've already stopped. So all the work is the more you. <laughs> the whole time together is that, okay, what now? I think that's the question that I, I've stopped drinking. What now? What do I do with myself? Yeah. And even just, you know, in a, in a case of if, if a woman's been used to drinking, you know, two, three hours of an evening, that's suddenly two, three hours you've got back. Yeah. You know, my... um daughter does football now on a Friday evening at six o'clock if that had been a couple of years ago I would have been like no that is one o'clock time that that's just not happening I would have done anything to sort of talk her out of it but now it's like yep that's fine I have time to do that so there's just the, the time element of how suddenly you've got time and a lot of the women you know a lot of the women I speak to will tell me I don't have time to exercise I don't have time to take care of myself I don't have time to do anything for me but they have time to drink so there's a little element of kind of fooling ourselves. And we've, you know, I've done it. Um, lots of people have done it. It seems valid. I'm sitting down, I'm having a drink. I'm tired. I need to rest. But you're kind of tired and you need the rest because you've been drinking from the night before. So it, it's the more you is, you know, looking into just all the general well-being. What are they doing for themselves? How are they nourishing themselves with food, with movement, with you know, with breathing, with creativity. I have a lovely client who started drawing again after, you know, 20 years of not drawing, with, with just, you know, things that bring them joy, discovering what brings them joy, whatever kind of movement it is that brings them joy. Kind of, I mean, I literally have women where I say, you know, what they don't know what they like. It sounds like a joke, but to say to somebody, you know, what's your favorite color? And I think, well, I used to know what my favorite color was, but I don't know. Yeah. They lose so much sight of themselves. And it's just that little kind of journey of discovery of, you know, what do you like? Which is sort of a baby step to what do they want? But, you know, what do you like? What kind of music do you like? I make a, a thing of just, you know, I've got one of these digital dab radios. And I just put on random stations sometimes. And I've discovered all sorts of music that I'm 51. I never knew I liked. Love it. 
I was listening to some Irish folk music last night and Nick came in the kitchen. He went, what is that? And that's usually me, you know, saying about him with his music. <laughs> I really like that. It just really speaks to me. And I would never have, you know, I was looking up, how can I go and see this woman? Where is she playing? Um, so it's just uncovering those parts of you, of, of, of themselves that have just, just, just been buried, have been forgotten about. And, and, you know, our tastes change. So maybe things that they, they did like and were into when they were younger um, have, have evolved. Maybe they're the same. But it's just really looking at, you know, and they'll say, oh, I'm looking after this. I'm like, no, but what about you? <laughs> it's kind of like you need to bring them back to you. Yeah. you. What about you? I'm looking after my kids, my husband, this, my, my job, that. I'm like, nope, let's, let's come back. Come back to what are you doing for you? What's happening for you? Because... Most of them are not used to thinking about themselves pretty much at all. Yeah. So um, it's starting that habit. I think you said before something about like they're at the bottom of the conveyor belt. And yeah. I think right. And, and if you're at the bottom of the conveyor belt, you're never thinking about you, you're never considering your needs and wants. Actually, to start to look at all of these things, you get to start to build this rich full life yeah. that is you and that embodies you. So you've kind of weaved a few bits in Mary but I would love to hear for you because your fear was or your thoughts were people that don't drink are boring like what the hell is wrong with them now I think most people that know you if it was like describe Mary in three words they would pick fun as one of the words right and that is you now yeah. A, and I had, and I had to prove that to myself. I had to yeah. go out and I, you know, went to networking events. And I went to things like, well, I want to go out and I want to meet people. That was one of my things when I stopped drinking. I wanted to make new friends. I wanted to meet more people. And I went to these things in the cold light of day and even in the evening. And I was sober. And I, went, I had a good time. I had fun. It was, yeah. it was great. <laughs> and so what does fun look like for you now? What does the non the no alcohol fun version of Mary look like? Oh, there's so many things. Um, I, I like dancing. I love dancing. I want to go out dancing. Um, I've got a bunch of parties lined up for over the Christmas um time. They're really looking forward to going to. Um, I'm getting lots of sequins out. Um, I think just being. I thought that the kind of the loud, fun loving part of me was very tied to the drinking and then I realized it actually wasn't I think the Larry there was a loud fun and Larry Larry or Larry maybe a bit kind of bleh. yeah that was the drinking but this sort of fun and outgoing and up for itness um is still there and I was I was kind of scared that I would lose that so that was all the drink and that wasn't me so yeah and, I, and my clients find the same thing. I think the bits that they're afraid that they'll lose of themselves, they don't. They don't lose the bits they want to, you know, that they like, that they're happy with. I remember, and it kind of touches on something that you said before about, you know, like can, there can be this fear of if I do this work, I'll lose my partner, which, by the way, comes up in whatever kind of personal development work that, that we do. And I remember my first coach saying to me, Sorry, Louise, just a second. Elizabeth, no, close the door, darling. I want to call. Family, real life. Yeah, I'm just checking she hasn't let the dog in. She's sorry about that. <laughs> so the but then the so my fear was the more of the work that I did on myself, the more it would move me away from my husband. And yeah. my coach was like, "You're doing this work to have a better relationship with yourself and to bring more love into your life for yourself." She's like, "More love is only ever going to create more love." 
Yeah. And she was so right. It doesn't mean every time one of us goes through quite a growth period, it's not like, oh, God, is this the thing that's finally going to end? <laughs> but I think so often the fears are misplaced. And if the fears aren't misplaced, I think it's because people deep down yeah. know that the thing isn't right for them anyway. Yeah. And there's always going to be fear of the unknown and fear of change. I mean, we we, we don't like change as humans, we, we, even, even when things are, you know, not great. Um, it's you know kind of easier to the devil you know um, is you know the expression that we use a lot, but yeah I think with I, I have never met anyone who you know drank less who decided to drink less or or stop drinking and hasn't felt their life get better as a result of it. I love that. And so, what happens to your clients? I know you've already talked about it a bit, but I just to bring it all together. What happens to your clients when they focus on them instead of alcohol? Oh, um, I God, it's amazing. I'm trying to think of like any. I'm trying to think of one in particular. Um, they just start realizing that they've got so much more control over their lives than they thought. Um, they start recognizing. You know, I, I have a client with a who's recognizing that there's a friend she needs to let go. That was just a drinking friend someone that you know hasn't been there for her and she's okay with that I have a friend who's you know was having a lot of like you know she was literally was had started instructing a divorce um lawyer um and they've come way back from that because she realizes now that she's not you know she is not responsible for his emotions they went away for a weekend he drank he got drunk he got cranky he got whatever and she said Mary you'd be so proud of me I just let him I let him just get on with it. I didn't let him affect my mood. I stayed as I was. So it's just that 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 sense of being having agency in their lives, having control of their lives. Um, yeah, it's I have a client who's applying for a PhD and she's writing a second book. But yeah, it's just really it's lovely to witness. It's just so exciting to witness is that recognizing at first that yes, you can stop drinking, you can drink less, and it is so much easier than you think possible. And there are, you just won't, they won't know themselves. You know, you get to the end of three months and they're kind of like, who am I? Who, who was that person? I love that. It's like, it's like a, a new lease of life in a way. It is absolutely a new lease of life because it is, you know, we kind of talk about alcohol freedom or freedom from alcohol. And it is for a lot of women. It is freedom from just thinking about it constantly thinking about am I going to drink am I not going to drink I mean for some of my clients they just choose to not drink at all rather than moderate because for them the moderating creates more stress about how much am I going to drink tonight is there going to be drink there what will I do what will I say um yeah a lot of freedom yeah and I think the, the thing that just popped into my head and again feel free to disagree but it's like it's like it's a really key chapter in the journey home to yourself yeah in that rediscovery of who am I what do I want what do I need what matters yeah. to me oh wait a minute I get to matter yeah I get to matter and and you know and, and sometimes you know some when we get into these conversations they think, oh it's selfish these selfish women putting themselves first and I say it's not about being this you know I, I have no problem with describing myself as selfish but I know some people do and to say, you know, you're just putting, if you're in a family or you're in a relationship, how about looking at it as your needs are equal? Your needs and wants and desires take equal footing to the people around you that you love. 
not less, not lesser than, not more than, but equal. And that helps them to sort of, you know, feel okay about, you know, going to, you know, that exercise class or doing things when they think they should be doing, you know, something else or doing something at home or. And it, and, and it, you're right, it, it just is so important. And I think one of the things I sometimes say to people as well is, you know, so if you have got a family and kids and a job and all of the rest of it, if you are the glue that holds it all together, yeah. you want to be taking care of that glue. Yeah, you want to be Gorilla Glue, you don't want to be a breadstick. I heard this lovely thing once, and I've never quite been able to repeat it in a way that was as well said as the first time I heard it. But it was something along the lines of we get so fixated by the to-do list and we're so focused on what's on the to-do list. But we forget that we are the paper that the to-do list is written on. Yeah. And if we aren't looking after us, there's nothing to write on. <laughs> no, I, I had a vision there of trying to trying to write on like kitchen towel or like toilet yeah. paper and it's dissolving as you're writing. Yeah rather than writing on some beautiful, you know, thick kind of vellum parchment. Yeah. So we want to be parchment. We don't want to be toilet paper that dissolves. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So if we didn't quite, because I can't remember if we went off a tangent or if we finished this or not. But if, if, we if you're talking to me, Louise, there was definitely a tangent involved. <laughs> I know, but I'm, I'm, I'm really bad for tangents. Or three. We talked about the fact that it's really hard to do this work on our own, right? It's yeah. really hard, actually, to take that lid off and be like, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? What do I need? They seem like simple questions. But oh, if yeah. you're so used to putting everybody else first, they are confronting and they are scary. Yeah. And so I would love for you, Mary, to share, because I think if people are like, I kind of want to do this, but I'm a bit terrified because yeah. it's a very, very, very normal way to feel. Where can people come to learn more about you, dip a toe in? Like, what are their options? Because I love, even as someone that doesn't drink and it's not like in my thing, but I love your social media. I love the stuff that you share because it's so inspiring. Like, you fill my feed with joy. <laughs> and it's not like, oh, joy, and I'm going to drink a bit less. It's like, oh, joy, and I don't drink. But I guess it's the more you part. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> into me. But if people are like, I would like I would like to go and check out this chick. Where can yeah. they find you? They can find me on Facebook. I have a Facebook group. Yeah. I'm going to get this right. Less wine, more you. Not yeah. the other way around. <laughs> that might be another group, but not mine. Less wine, more you. Uh, you can also find me Mary Wall on Facebook, and I'm at at less wine, more you on Instagram, and I'm Mary Wall on LinkedIn. I think that's pretty much where I am these days. Um, I'm just dipping my toe in the water of LinkedIn, but um, I'm, I'm getting more familiar with it. And I hope to sort of be there a bit more next year. But yeah, I mean, don't be scared. Reach out. Um, it's, you know, weekly coaching, but I'm very much, you know, I leave my clients little kind of love notes and voice messages during the week. And I check in how they're getting on. And I, I know if they have events coming up. So I kind of check in before an event just to, you know, remind them of what we talked about. So and they leave me voice notes back saying how things went. And it, it, it's really nice. There's a lot of support. There's a lot of accountability. It's not just, you know, once a week and I leave you hanging. Um, I have, you know, one of my clients in the beginning was drinking seven nights a week. And she just could not imagine not drinking. 
So rather than have one session a week, we had three 20-minute sessions for the first couple of weeks to really just just be there. So there isn't the sense that there's there's no going it alone. You don't need to do this alone. I love that. And so what I'm hearing, bringing in the theme of the podcast, is that you help people to do it their way. I help them do it their way. Yeah, whatever works best for them, their way. And so you will find all of Mary's links in the show notes because they have been provided and they will be there. So you can go and check Mary out. Um, And then just in terms of how you tend to work with people, you mentioned three months before in terms of transformation. So share a little bit about your Uh, program if you can. uh, Three months is the Less Wine, More You program. And that will depend on where somebody is at with their drinking. For some people, a lot of that time can be spent on the less less wine element if they are if they literally have not yet stopped drinking or they're very new to it. And you know, some clients repeat. So if they, you know, they might need to stay that bit longer. I have some clients that are they're, they're good to go after three months. So they're almost the whole three months is the is working on the, the more you, the more them, the the figuring out what they want and what they want to do next. Is there anything else that you want to share before we finish? Oh, I can't think. All I can say is um, you're in control with drinking. Mm-hmm. You never have to drink if you don't want to. And that's pretty much it. That's, yeah, you can I do it. <laughs> yes. So here's the people feeling. I something, I go all red. <laughs> say that again. I said I go all red when I put on the spot. I'm like, yeah, yeah, ask me something for the spot. <laughs> oh God, I got asked a question on a podcast that I was on recently, and the question was, name someone that's like inspirational to you that you really look up to. And I was like, yeah, I'm kind of scraping around for that. For yeah, that I know. I'm like, I can't think of anybody. <laughs> And she was like, I think a lot of the time it's because we just hold ourselves on such a pedestal that like that that no one meets those ideals. And I'm like, no, I just don't think there's that many into <laughs> I just don't think that many into people. You could Oprah. <laughs> so I know how you feel. So um this is our penultimate podcast episode before we have a couple of weeks off over the Christmas period. Go and check Mary out if you are kind of curious and interested to explore a life with less alcohol you will be in very good hands and I will see you next week when we are talking about how to rest and how we give ourselves permission to rest it's a good one all right take care see you soon thanks Mary thank you